you got to pursue something that gives you life that makes you want to jump out of bed in the morning. Welcome back to another episode of The Lodges Podcast. The Lodges Podcast. Welcome back. You have to get creative. Like, your content can't just be like you sitting there. I have to, you know, master this D-list athlete if I'm going to get to C-list, to B-list, to A-list. whole slogan was basically, you're famous enough just being yourself. Just be you. A ruthless pursuit to, to be the best. Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of The Lodges Podcast. Uh, this is episode 56 with Richard Huggin, who is the managing director over at Hitmarker. This is also our first time. Hopefully, this is going to be a YouTube upload. So for you guys listening right now on the podcast version, the audio version, um, you know, you guys can maybe go check this out on YouTube if you want to see us chat. Uh, but Richard, I'm, I'm excited to have you. Thank you for joining me. So the invite, man. It's good to be here. I'm ready to get into it. <laughs> absolutely absolutely um well i thought uh before we kick off you know everything with hit marker and, and your role there i thought it'd be fun and interesting just to hear about maybe a little bit of background story before getting to hit marker you know what were some of your previous roles um what were you doing before you got into the space so like a lot of people i guess i haven't been here since the beginning so i think i'm coming up to three years at the beginning of november that'll be my three-year anniversary in the esports industry um, before that, I was a like a traditional sports professional. So I studied at university sports coaching and performance. So that was all based around like statistics and nutrition and all that good stuff for athletes across like athletics, soccer, football, as we call it here, um, all those different sports. And that was what I got into professionally. So graduated, I think it was back in 2010, 2011 when I graduated. Um, and there was an opportunity that came up online, like fairly soon after I graduated, I like had that awkward spell that people have when you graduate and it's kind of like, all right, I guess I just walk straight into a job. Now I've got the degree in the pocket. Right. Started looking around. I was like, eh, there's not that many opportunities in the, <laughs> in the sector that I'm in, which I'm sure a lot of people watching this can relate to as far as esports goes. So I kind of had to bide my time, set up all my search filters across all the major search websites like Indeed and LinkedIn and everything like that. And then this job popped up. I was actually over in Boston for a friend's wedding. And like the, just when we got back off the flight, this like job alert came up and it was this work from home foot like soccer performance analyst job where the job description was basically watch a ton of soccer games from home write like scouting and analysis reports on a game by game basis. So like analyzing the players and the team and how they play and all that kind of stuff. Um, and we'll pay you on a per game basis. And I was like, oh man, this is like for at the time I was like crazy obsessed with soccer. <laughs> so applied for it as soon as we got back from Boston, um, like put like a ridiculous amount of effort into the, um, application. I think still like years later in the job, the, the manager that I had was always like, we once had somebody who submitted like a 48 page, PDF as part of this thing. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it was me. It's like everyone else just put one pages in and stuff like that. But got that job, started it um, like two months later because I think that was right at the beginning of summer and the season didn't start again until like later in the summer. And that was really awesome as like a first professional job in the industry that I wanted wanted to be in. So it was like I managed my own schedule. I chose how many days to do. So I was a freelancer, respect um, pretty much. But I was working like seven days a week, taking all the work I could get just to build up the salary. And I lived for that job and did that for about a year, a year and a half from home. Um, kept doing well, kept impressing them, kept getting promoted up the ranks to like the different levels that you could go to. And eventually it came to a point whereby the company was going to get bought out by like a bigger firm who wanted to buy it as its analytics arm for like a sports betting operation kind of thing, which I think is quite common. Right. Um, but they wanted people to be centralized in London. Like where we are here is Newcastle. It's right in the north of England. So about as far away from London as you can get. But like with 
most other things. Uh, they were based in London. They wanted all of the senior staff to be down in London. Um, and I don't think my manager at the time was too keen with like staying under those parameters. He kind of sold his part of the company. He was ready to move on. So he asked me if I would like to go down and replace him and take his job as like head of soccer at the company. Um, went down there, did interviews and ended up working in central London for, I think it was around three years. So kind of by this point, we're into like 2015, 2016. And during that time, it was like, it was an amazing experience because I basically joined a company at the lowest possible rung that you could be at, like a total grunt. I was getting given like the worst matches you could possibly watch because they weren't sure whether I could do the job or not. Right. Um, within a couple of months, I'd been promoted to be like a league analyst or so specialized in a specific league. And then beyond that, in just a few months, I was managing like a, a small section of the team. And by the end, I had, a, I think, over 100 direct reports with that role. Um, so I was like sitting at the top of the chain uh, as a director of the company and head of sport was the title. And we would cover basketball. We did NBA and European basketball. We did tennis, like uh, international tennis. But football was still the main thing. Soccer was the main thing that I was involved in. And we did like MLS, Mexican League, Argentinian League, Brazilian League. We covered the globe, right? So I knew like at that time, I felt like my brain was just so full of soccer stuff. Like I knew everything. Um but it got to a point where my brother along these same times, he'd been following the same path in esports, like started out as a freelancer. He was a okay. semi-pro competitive gamer back in the SOCOM 2 days on the PS2. And then he moved over to game battles and he played COD um, on PS2, um, PS3, PS4, all the way through. Made a lot of really good contacts in the early days of the UK and European esports scene. Um, and he was a designer at the same time. So he started a jersey company called Raven, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, and was doing that for a few years they had good success kind of became like the biggest supplier in the uk and started to get out in, into europe and expand further um but he's one of these guys that just constantly has ideas for businesses and like new business ideas um and he'd been in esports by the time he thought of hitmarker um for maybe like as much as 10 12 years like starting from being a, a player when he was like 13 through 16 to doing designs for people's team logos and websites and socials and stuff mm -hmm. um, to becoming like the Jersey company guy. And then he built out a freelance design and development business where he was building websites. Uh, so deserto.com, probably like the biggest, most well-known uh, website that he built. Um, and he was like their kind of web designer, web developer guy for a number of years. Um, but you kept having these ideas and one idea that he stumbled upon was Hitmarker, obviously back in 2017. Mm -hmm. And I guess we can jump into talking about kind of how that ended up with me being here with him working together on it. That's also so your brother founded Hitmarker. I didn't. Younger brother. Yeah. Okay. So uh, he's taller than I am. He has all the best ideas, <laughs> pro probably better looking than I am. Um, so I just followed his lead. Uh, but yeah, he founded the company and he's like the esports guy, really. Gotcha. I, there's always the creative sibling. I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm <laughs> that one either. So I feel you. Um, no, that's really yeah. cool, though. I mean, that's awesome that it's kind of like your brother found that you're with and it's always cool to, I think, see, you know, family operated businesses or at least, you know, siblings or, or family members working together. So that's awesome. Um, so I wanted to talk a bit about um, maybe we can before we hop into your role, just kind of the growth that you've seen since 2017, I believe, is when it was founded to now, um, maybe between Hitmarker as well as, you know, how you guys have seen your impact on the space grow over the last three years. Yeah. So the reason, I mean, the company was founded to solve a very simple and very specific problem because he was running companies in esports by that time. And he'd also been a freelancer. So he'd been on the other end of like trying to find work as a designer and developer, which is rough because it's such a competitive space. 
he kind of sees he saw things from both sides he's like as somebody looking for a job i really don't have anywhere to go other than like social media hope that i find a post on there that might be something relevant to what i'm looking for i can go and look on the likes of indeed and linkedin but within all the gaming and esports jobs on there you find all of like the gambling and casino based jobs because the distinction between i gaming and real gaming is like it's become so small kind of intentionally i think um so it was like a I don't know if I can swear on here, but you know, it was kind of like a. You're fine. Yeah, you're fine. Whatever you're <laughs> comfortable with. Yeah, yeah like uh, it was a shit show, really. If you're looking for esports jobs, so he was like, "Look, I can create like a website within the space of weeks. I can find people who are esports guys, like the people that he'd been playing games with for years, to help run it on a volunteer basis." And he's like, "We'll know within a few months whether this is actually solving a problem, whether it's like useful for people." Mm-hmm. So basically, he built all the website, came up with the name and the brand, and then all that kind of stuff. Tried to keep it very FPS, which is kind of what his background is. Mm-hmm. Um, and he dragged in a few of his good friends from the scene and got them to all they would do they were all working full-time jobs and then in the mornings and the evenings they would go around looking on different job sports to see to try and find like genuine esports opportunities and three years ago there weren't that many at all we'd be talking maybe like a hundred a week on a really good week if you are looking like globally and this was like looking across yeah. all the different websites um they would start adding them to hit market and then they started reaching out to the companies that they noticed were hiring the most and would kind of say like look we've just created this thing it's totally free for you to use it's not going to cost you anything except for time you might as well give it a try and we'll try and push your roles out on socials and we'll try and reach out and network with it so it was very organic like the company obviously didn't start with any money it was run as a volunteer project Mm -hmm. but really early um i think like the first i think i always say this but raven obviously signed up and we're using it from day one because of that connection um the McLaren F1 team signed up and were posting some like F1 esports rules on there quite early. And then ESL signed up within the first three months. And I think ESL as a brand name in esports, probably one of like the legit OGs of the space. And when they signed up and started posting jobs and were having some good success with it, I think you realize quite quickly, like this is definitely a useful platform for the industry. Um, how can we go about growing it and like building the team so we can eventually focus on this hundred percent of the time um and he knew in 2017 we were probably way too early into that market because like i said there just weren't enough opportunities and for a jobs board you're either making your revenue on like advertising that you're putting on there to reach candidates directly but then you need enough candidates to monetize um or you're relying on job opportunities and having like thousands upon thousands of jobs to get to the point where hiring companies need to start paying to advertise their roles so their roles get seen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the traditional jobs board model. But yeah. from day one, we knew that it was going to take a long time to get there. So he was having conversations with me. He was kind of like, he knew that I was getting a bit sick of life down in London. I was kind of ready to move back home, start a family and do all that good stuff. And he was like, look, I think we've got this idea that's going to have legs. He's like, it won't make any money for like two, three, four, maybe five years. So it's not going to be like an easy five years. But if we do it right and we become like the brand name in jobs in the space long term we could build something really cool and that is like everlasting so i was kind of sold on it um took like a disgustingly huge salary hit to come back and be part of it but luckily cost of living up here is a lot less than it is in london somehow convinced my then fiance to come with me even though she'd never known anything other than london in the past and it became me my brother phil um alec and craig four guys who we came together they uh, craig already lived here alec relocated to live here as well and the four of us effectively started the company full-time in an office in like it was bang on the first of november in 2017 so like around six months after that the company had been founded 
And from then, it was my job to come in and kind of make sure everyone was employed and was looked after in terms of salary and benefits and stuff like that. And um, starting to think about how can we grow our marketing presence organically without spending a lot of money to kind of keep getting traction um, because the guys had only ever worked on it part time until that point. So I came back. um, We were basically running the company with the proceeds from Phil's design agency that I talked about. So they were making enough money month on month whereby there was enough money then to allow us to work on Hitmarker maybe like 50% of the time. So 50% of the time we were all working on the design agency, like finding new clients, getting new work, doing briefs and all that, doing the actual work. And the rest of the time was Hitmarker. But the goal was always how can we then over time start monetizing Hitmarker so that we can just work on Hitmarker 100% of the time. Um, Start getting there quite quickly. We were able to hire like our first full-time staff member who wasn't a friend or anybody that we knew in, um, I think it was May of the next year, May 2018. So within a year, we've been able to hire somebody else. Really? Um, April, another guy joined Calm. Uh, so that was James and Calm who joined the team to take us to six. Then Laurie, who was like a bit of a game-changing hire came. Laurie is the guy who makes all of our video motion graphics and does all of the overlays. Um, he's a photographer slash videographer, but he also is a designer and motion designer as well. So he's like a quadruple threat, I like to call him. <laughs> um, but he allowed us to really improve our like brand visual presence, which I think in esports in particular, and um, you can speak to this, I guess, as well as like the way a brand looks has a massive impact on people's perception of it. No, absolutely. I mean, this is like I was talking before this is the first video version of this. And, and like I said, hopefully we'll go on YouTube and, and I think building a brand in your appearance is huge. But um, so you guys, so you've been in business about three or you're coming up on four years, three years, three and a half years. Yeah. And so I know you mentioned that, you know, you guys, I guess that maybe a five year goal. Do you feel as if you're you've reached that goal a lot more rapidly than you expected, I guess, back in 2017? Because, I mean, I would arguably say you guys are definitely leading the space as far as job opportunities and, and branding and all those sorts of things. Yeah, I think, but to, let's uh, we always try not pat ourselves on the back too hard because when we began, there were like three other companies who were trying to do the same thing as we were doing in the space. And that's a good lesson to anybody, right? If like, if, if anybody out there listening to this is a bit entrepreneurial and has an idea, and then you go looking on Google, which I think people tend to do and be like, is anyone else doing this? Because I think I've got a really cool idea. Right. Even if you find people doing stuff, it doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means that you have to do it and you have to do it better than all of them. And that means that you need to do like a full competitor, competitor analysis on each of your competition and figure out like, how much money do they have behind them? How good is their brand and how good is their domain name? Mm-hmm. What do they do on socials? How many users do they seem to have? How many followers do they have? We did this quick analysis of the space when I came and I was like, we were, we started way behind those other three companies. Um, and some of them did seem to have like a lot of money behind them, but there were very clear weaknesses in their game whereby the jobs thing for at least two of them was just like something they were doing alongside having an org and having different websites. And like, it was Esports Observer who obviously their bread and butter is kind of their content, which is awesome, like their business face and content website, but they had jobs and they were probably one of the biggest jobs platforms, if not the biggest in the space. Um, but again, them and recjobs.com, they were both asking people to pay to post listings on there. Um, it was like a hundred euros and a hundred dollars per post. And we were kind of thinking like, the audience isn't yet big enough to justify that kind of cost mm-hmm. for like a company whereby I'm just going to spend a hundred dollars and just pray that it works and that I find somebody like people in esports really don't like spending money if they can avoid it. Uh, <laughs> as I'm sure you know. True, so. Yes. so we were like, yeah, but in a lot of the, a lot of the orgs and stuff are just run by 
kids and groups of friends who might not have hundred dollars to throw around every time they need to find like a new social media person or something like that. So we were like, we can go to like a free model, which we knew then like that's going to take us even longer to grow to the level that you're talking about, mm-hmm. because it's like, how do you monetize the website if you aren't charging people to post on it? But we were just kind of like, let's just try and build, let's look at the website, like a content website first and foremost, and try and build an audience and a social following and build a brand presence. So it's kind of a different approach to um, just being a typical jobs board. Cause I think it's probably one of the most boring industries that you could be in being like a jobs board, right? Cause it's just like, it's just a necessary thing where people are going. There's like, there's always people looking for jobs. There's always people wanting to hire. And it's, we are like the middleman that facilitates that transaction happening. Um, but we knew we had a niche because esports was cool. It was only going to get bigger. Um, and we knew that if we made it free and we the website worked well and it was quick and it was mobile friendly and the brand and looked like what you would expect an esports website to look like, mm-hmm. that people would use it. And it's still surprising how hard it was at the beginning to get people to use it. But even when you're like, it's free, it'll cost you like five minutes and you might reach like back then it was like you might reach like 5,000 people or 10,000 people that might never have seen your job otherwise mm-hmm. um, to the point where we are today where it's like we're more talking in the hundreds of thousands of people that you can reach with a job on there. So audience-wise, we definitely grew a lot faster than we expected to. Right. Revenue-wise, just being 100% honest, it's been as slow and as difficult as we expected it would be. Um, and we got to a point at the end of last year where it was kind of like, we had three months in a row whereby we've worked on Hitmarker 100% of the time with a team of eight full-time, I think. Um, so the overheads were quite decent. We had eight full-time salaries, um, office to pay for, all the other stuff like event travel and different things that you would need. And we had three months where we actually made a profit. So it was kind of like, wow, we've reached profitability within um, two and a half years, it was basically. Mm-hmm. So that came a little bit faster than we expected. But we then had a decision to make do we just kind of persist at this level and think like, this is awesome. We'll make like everyone can take a salary. You can grow the company like steadily, or do you take a risk and go out and try and raise money through either a venture capital firm or the route that we ended up going down was a, a public crowdfund that we did. And that decision was very pivotal, but pivotal because it was kind of like, are we happy with the growth that we were seeing? And we did grow to a point by the end of last year to give you some actual numbers on it. So when I talked about 100 jobs a week back at the beginning in like a great week, and if we posted 100 jobs back when I first joined, I would have been like over the moon. We were at a point where we were getting closer to like 200, 300, 400, 500 a week. So it had grown at least like five times. Uh, We were posting um, over a thousand new esports jobs every month by November last year. So about two and a half years in. so to go from where we were to where we got to was a huge jump in terms of jobs. And the great thing about the more jobs you have, the bigger your traffic is, because obviously you, you start having more variety and more things that people are interested in. And if you can market things effectively on social media, which I think we did a pretty good job of doing um, to get the word out there, people realize like, man, there's something that exists. I'm like, I love esports, I love games. And I didn't even, a lot of times it's even today, it's like, I didn't even know you guys existed. I didn't even know there would be like a platform for esports. So um, the growth has been huge, but revenue, and I mean, it speaks to the wider esports industry where we are now running on invested money, which I'm not very not very proud of really because we were always like self-funded and we got to a point where we were self-sustainable. But we knew that if we really wanted to take this to the level that we uh, thought it could go we would have to take some investment um so yeah that was the big like crunch point that we got to in november but growth was good um 
it was exciting. It's been a good, it was a great two years until that point. And this last year has been a different challenge, but like equally, equally exciting. And you guys now uh, on an average, I mean, I think I was looking at your metrics on Twitter. You guys have, it seems like almost 3000 new postings a month, the last couple of months. Is that correct? Yeah. And uh, keep in mind as well, that's like heavily pandemic COVID influenced as well. I think um, if we weren't going through the situation we're all going through at the moment, those numbers would have been better. Um, so typically now Hitmarker as a platform will have around 6,000 active opportunities, paid opportunities on the online for anybody to apply to at any given time. Um, but month on month, exactly what you said, in terms of stuff that gets posted brand new, fresh, mm-hmm. like something that's never been available before, it's around three and a half thousand at the moment okay. in terms of new stuff. Um, and the other two and a half thousand jobs or so are the things that are still open from like 30 days plus ago that get, that are still open and still waiting to be filled. Um, so it's, if you think about the difference in numbers, it's like, it's come a long, long way from where we were, but a lot of that, like, I need to make it clear that it's not like those aren't all esports jobs. Now in November, when we took the, the, the decision to raise money, it was very clearly the, the, the pitch that we made to investors was like, look, we've kind of conquered the esports market, but the esports market at the moment is only so big. And like I said, like I said to you, we can either stick with it and kind of persist at this level of making like. 10, 20 grand a month forever and ever, or we can attack the rest of the video game market, which like if you've seen the new zoo numbers, it's like it ranges from being like 150 times bigger than esports when you're taking all the publisher revenue and stuff like that yeah. um, to 200 times, I think. Um, and we saw that there were a lot more opportunities there and it was close enough to esports that the audience of um, around 40,000 users that we built up by then, we knew that the jobs that we posted not all of them are going to be happy that it was like general gaming because you get some true esports and competitive gaming fanatics that only want to work on like CSGO, League, Dota, right. stuff like that. And like any other game isn't really like, doesn't have the same clout. Um, but we knew that we had too many people and not enough jobs. So we wanted to solve that by bringing in thousands more jobs. And that's kind of what we've been able to do. Um, so on that first day, I remember back in March of this year, it was the first day we were posting anything that was not esports, and so it didn't have any kind of link to competitive gaming. And we had like Rockstar jobs on the platform for the first time. And for me, being like a huge yeah. GTA fan, going all the way back to the original on PS1 um, and like playing through the series, um, to be able to start posting Rockstar jobs was like a cool milestone. Um Maybe on the downside of things, it means that EA Electronic Arts has become like the all dominant presence on Hitmarker. Whereas in the past, we would only get stuff that was like related to competitive FIFA or um, Apex when Apex dropped. But yeah, so it has its its good sides and its bad sides. I mean, it's true. You know, when you think about it, esports is so much smaller than the overall video game industry as a whole. So, I mean, I completely get what you guys are saying to expand into the video game overall. I, I mean, I think it's a smart move. Um, I want to dive into your role as, as managing director. If, if you just wanted to share, you know, kind of what your day-to-day looks like, uh, you know, what are some of your roles and responsibilities? I think that'd be interesting to hear. Yeah. So it's interesting for me not being the founder, which is a cool thing. It's kind of like most companies in esports and gaming, the founder will tend to be like the MD over here is your CEO. Effectively. It's, it's our equivalent to a chief executive officer here in the UK or a COO. It's kind of a mix between okay. the two roles. Um, but Phil, like you said, he's the creative one. He's much happier just sitting there kind of building the website, designing new features, tweaking the design. He doesn't really want to be dealing with the stuff that I deal with, which is kind of like 
stuff that I've just been doing, like trying to keep employees happy during a pandemic and trying to make sure that everyone's okay kind of mentally and is coping with the workload, uh, that the work's getting done and the the level that it should be getting done and to the quality that it should be getting done. So kind of a joke that I've got a one-year-old son now at home um, and when me and the wife sometimes have disagreements about how much each of us does in terms of the big picture of things, I'm like, well, I come home and I've got one child to look after, then I go to work and I've got nine that I need to look after. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> so it's not to say anyone's a child or right. anything like that, really, but that sometimes you feel that much responsibility for the people, especially during a pandemic. It's it it means that you can never switch off. So basically. To give you a quick day in my life, it's like with the little one, I have to wake up like 6 a.m. Typically most mornings, um, sort him out with breakfast, get him sat doing something like playing. That gives me about an hour in the morning where I can check up on all my emails, check up on all the company emails. Um, I deal with customer service stuff in that time because that's a rare time for us where we have overlap to like West Coast hours because we're in the UK. Our time difference is so different uh, from West Coast and that's where most of our business is. So it means that if I'm on there between like six and seven to or six till eight in the morning, I can catch people just as it's like 11 p.m. and midnight. And then, as you know, esports, most people will still be up True. at that time. <laughs> um, so you can have some good like conversations with hiring companies in that hour in the morning. I'll deal with all that. I'll check all of the jobs that have been submitted overnight to Hitmarker just to try and give our team like a head start so they don't have to worry about that in the morning. Um, get all those done. Then by 10 o'clock, you come in and it's kind of making sure that it, you check in with everybody. At the minute, it has to be done over Slack because of the way things are. Um, kind of assign everybody tasks for the day, figure out what everyone's working on. And then obviously alongside that management aspect of things, um, which includes managing the people and handling the payroll and making sure everything's taken care of there. Um, I have my own tasks to do. I still love getting involved where I can on content and like marketing efforts because I had such a big hand in that at the beginning. I find it difficult to let go of that <laughs> sometimes, which I'm sure the team would say. Um, so I can be found like sometimes I'll be writing articles or getting involved in writing our monthly newsletter or investor updates and things like that. Um, today has been running the financials because that's another thing with the pandemic is like revenues are kind of down across the board for a lot of companies that aren't like the publishers or the playstations and the xboxes who've been loving life with everybody staying at home and buying subscriptions um we have to make sure that we've got enough money to get us through to where we want to get through because we might be looking to raise more money again so we can grow the Mm -hmm. team further so i was just running all the latest finances today uh, in a model to try and see where we're looking at in terms of how much money we've got left which is always a stressful thing about running the company um And it tends to be that like day by day. And then there'll be appearances like this. This is becoming this year. I think it speaks to kind of where we are getting the brand these days is that we are getting invited to do a lot more podcasts, invited to speak. So I'll be speaking at the ESI event. That's next week. Um, I've got a few other speaking appearances coming up in the future. Um, So it's a good varied amount of stuff that I get through on a day by day basis. The stuff I love doing as managing director is I love it when payday comes and you're able to pay everyone's salary because then it's kind of like a good feeling where you know you've taken care of people for another month. Um, I love doing all the data side of things, so I'm still heavily involved. Like week by week, I'll track what our how have users been, what's the time on site, how many new companies have signed up. I like getting involved in all that stuff because I think if I'm supposed to be setting the agenda for the company, it's super important that you're you know the granular details and that you know like the nitty gritty of what goes on at the company. Um, it's why I still like doing the customer service stuff, even though people would laugh at like a CEO or a managing director dealing with live chat. Um, when, especially when we've got people here who have that as their job description, I just love speaking to customers because 
I always worry about becoming that that because I'm comfortably the oldest in the team as well at 33. I'm already feeling sometimes that you're a little bit out of touch in ver- versus the scene than these guys might be because they're all playing Valorant every night and they're like right. heavily involved and still playing competitively. Um, whereas I sometimes can be found to be tucked up in bed by 10 right. p.m. like completely wiped out <laughs> and exhausted. Uh, but on the other hand, as long as I'm constantly monitoring socials, like reading DMs, interacting with people, uh, speaking to people over live chat. It's good because I think it allows me to keep a good handle on um, what's yeah. going on. And I think particularly recently with all of the, uh, it's been a difficult couple of months for esports and gaming, I think as an industry. Um, and because I'm so active on socials, it meant that I was very aware of all of that stuff going on. And I think it's important for somebody in our position to, to, to know what the overall landscape of esports looks like. So we can know like, should we be really advocating this company or this job on social media at this particular time after some news might have just broken where it might not be the best place to work? Um, and if I'm able to see that stuff, at least it means that for the check-in in the morning, I can always be like, oh, and if a job from X company comes up, then just be mindful of posting right. it. Like there's no way we'd be posting any uh, blast stuff right. this week or last week or riot stuff the week right. before. So it's just like, you have to be mindful of what's going on in the scene. So yeah, I think um, MD or CEO at an esports company is probably very different to be in that position at a bigger, more traditional company um, where I would have like a PA or an executive assistant doing all the dirty work. Right. I still kind of like doing all the dirty work. And I think most of the founders and directors that I know in the space tend to enjoy getting their hands dirty as well. I mean, that's really cool to hear, you know, that you want to hop on the customer service and hear those calls and kind of hear what's going on. My wife and I watch Undercover Boss every now and then and whenever they go undercover it seems like a lot of the times the ceos and you know the founders they'll go do the customer service role and they haven't done that in so long and i feel like they always talk about like wow like you know we didn't know our customers felt this way or i felt out of tune with this so that's awesome that you're consistently kind of staying on top of it to at least you know hear from them and, and feel like you have a beat on that so that you don't feel so out of touch so that's pretty cool to hear i think it's just because we're still so small it's like we've only got um 10 people now as a company so company wise we're still super small and i think like i've seen that show a good (laughs) few times as well i enjoy watching that um but it tends to be as the companies just grew like some can just grow into monsters so quickly like overnight and i think it becomes very easy for the person at the top to lose touch with what happens at the bottom and you get blinded by numbers and profits and revenues and shareholders and all that kind of stuff but yeah i'm totally with you i think the so many companies in esports are grounded by the people who found them because they tend to be like long-time esports fanatics or people who were involved in the scene like my brother was from a really young age and who's like can't see himself working in any other industry other than gaming for the rest of his life basically and i think that always means that you've got a good amount of authenticity in our space um and most of the companies that we deal with on hitmark are founded by people who are just like esports crazy or they've been involved in esports and this is all they know so they want to keep giving back to the scene um so i definitely don't think i'm alone in that i think it's kind of a common thing I wanted to shift a little bit and talk about success stories that the videos that you guys do, I know you post them on, I see them the most on Twitter. I'm sure you do them on the other socials as well. Um, And I think that, you know, going back, talking about what you were mentioning earlier about, you know, really creating that brand and that appearance in esports and gaming, how important that is. I love the success stories, things you guys do. So I just wanted to ask you about it, let you share a little bit about it and, you know, hear from you. Uh, maybe some stories or something of how it's helped someone who's maybe a novice trying to get into the space and, you know, they've been able to watch that and, and learn from it. Nice. So that was, that was a series that 
going back to like my first weeks at the company, it was a series that we always wanted to do. It was like such an obvious thing for a jobs board is like, we get so many cold emails or DMs from people who just have no clue where to start when it comes to hunting for esports jobs. And they are worried that they don't have enough experience, that they their experience isn't in the right area. Um, they're worried that the CV or resume doesn't look good enough or it isn't written correctly or they don't know how to write a cover letter. And I think we became that company or that brand that people knew that you can just like, we always try and make it clear, like, look, DMs are open. You can contact us in multiple different ways and we are happy to help for, for like, we won't ask for any money or anything. It's like we literally the company was founded to help people get jobs in the in the industry. So we've got a, a responsibility to people and to users to help them. So when they come to us and the success stories are really based on like, how awesome would it be if someone came to us with like, say like it, it's a resume can never really, really be terrible although unless it's covered in like typos and it's just so inappropriate. A lot of times when I'm talking about a terrible resume, I just mean something that is so not esports and it's so corporate and it just doesn't fit with our industry whatsoever. And it's just somebody who's been shown in school or college, like this is how you do a, a professional resume. And they don't realize that in esports, you're often applying against like hundreds and hundreds of other people. And job number one that your resume has is to stand out from those people somehow. And if you're one of the 99% who has Times New Roman size 12 black text on a white background, you just blend into the crowd. And it's like, it's asking a lot for the person reading the resumes to, to dive deeper. So we used to think like, let's try and come up with like a best way of doing an esports resume based on what we know is done well, because we have some insight into like who does well on the platform, right? In terms of like they apply for that job, do they get that job? How far do they go right. in the process? Speaking to hiring managers, like what do you look for when you're looking for esports stuff? Um, so we came up with like a very solid template for what we think a good esports CV looked like. And we had a really solid idea on what people look for in cover letters. So we started helping people and we would either show them this template at the beginning, just be like, look, come up with your version of what you think this looks like for you and then come back and we'll give you like very specific one-to-one -one advice on like a line by line basis through your resume and through okay. your cover letter. And we'll get you to a point where you can pretty much apply to any job with the resume that you've got, maybe making a few slight tweaks here and there, depending on the role and with a cover letter, like a very standard flow that you can adopt um, that you have to personalize on a per company basis so that you're speaking to them right. directly, but something where it's like a winning formula that you know is going to work. And it started happening after we started doing this back, probably we really got hands on with that at like the beginning of 2018. And as soon as like summer 2018, we were starting to hear stories of people who we'd helped directly who were getting into some really awesome positions. So um, some of the, a lot of the guys that you've seen already on that series are from way back then when we helped them with their resume and they were able to get jobs at like uh, NRG, Esports, now working with the Huntsman. Um, and I mean, there's sometimes like someone like Joe comes to you and you know he's an awesome candidate from, from like the moment you see him and you're just like, all you're really trying to help him with is how he presents that on a page because it's not easy to sell yourself on right. a one page right it's re it's not an easy thing to do at all and it's like this guy is clearly awesome and is going to be like a huge benefit to any company that he joins how do we help him kind of position it um and there's been other people who've applied to like dozens and dozens and dozens of jobs and never ever heard anything back or never had anything positive they've came to us and they've been kind of like, what am I doing wrong? And often it, we can just look at it and it, you can clearly see straight away, like if you fix this, 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 and this and customize your cover letter, which is like the main thing we always bang on about, 
we guarantee you'll start getting more success. So it started happening where people who, if you look at their hit marker history, was just like such a depressing list of like rejections, basically, where they start then getting through to interview, they start getting jobs and stuff like that. And it's been largely just because we've trained them um, over the course of a few emails or a chat or whatever in terms of how to present themselves because the person hasn't changed, right? It's the exact same guy. They aren't adding anything to the CV. They're not changing anything on the resume because you can't change your past, basically, in terms of your professional history. All they might be doing is adding a bit more personality to things, speaking a bit more honestly so you don't come across like a mm-hmm. robot, like someone's, anyone could have written your resume. Uh, and it started working. So then we were like, when Laurie joined the team, we're like, we've had this idea for a series called Success Stories for the longest time that we're really keen to do. We know that we've got like all these guys here who'd be happy to do it if we asked them. And for whatever reason, it just kept getting mothballed and pushed further down the line. And then eventually we started doing it just before this damn pandemic hit <laughs> to the point where we wanted to start. We The plan for this year was to go to like TwitchCon, BlizzCon start hitting the states for the first time really and going to these events and setting up meetings with all these people who we'd help get jobs at twitch in different places and doing like face-to-face on-camera interviews because there's nothing better than being in the same room with somebody and then obviously pandemic happened so it, it nearly made us postpone the series even longer but we were just like look we've been putting it off for the longest time we've got four or five guys who have got really good jobs who are lined up to do the series um let's just get rolling and it's not ideal that you're doing it remotely and with headsets on like we are now but the content at the end of the day is still the same and like you said people watch those videos and they realize like ah it's it's not really me that's the problem and i'm not being like rejected for me it might just be because of how i'm not presenting myself in the way that people expect uh something to be presented so we do get a lot of good feedback from success stories um but I think the candidate spotlight is our most popular social feature. So that is basically just like we put together a little video package, um, motion graphic. And this was an idea we started really a long time ago, like well over a year now. And it was so basic at the beginning. It was just like a simple static graphic. Like he has one, he's, he's got skills in these areas. He's looking for a job in this area. Uh, this is the kind of salary he's looking for. Hire him or at least DM him and like add him on LinkedIn and find out more about him. So that's how that started. And it was just kind of us trying to shine a light on the really cool people that came to us asking for help because we would then get them to a place where we were like we can definitely vouch for this guy or girl as somebody who should be hired or deserves Mm -hmm. to get hired um so we started spotlighting them and again that's just something we do totally for free we invite like if people want to if people use hitmarker and didn't know that we did that then all we ask is that you reach out on dm or over email or something like that and we'll hook you up with a form um there's a big waiting list for that now because it becomes this monster that everyone wants to be a part of um but recently even during the pandemic we've helped people amazing like part of it is just like raising awareness of somebody right it's like there's no guarantees this is going to lead to anything tangible at the end of it but sometimes if the right person sees one of those spotlights you might just get like a dm or an email um and it has happened probably four or five times over the last six months where we know people have been reached out to on the back of that spotlight and have ended up with at least freelance work off the back of it and some of them have ended up with full-time jobs off the back of it so it's kind of like yeah i think people we always try and encourage people to take risks um make themselves known get your name out there do something differently to other people um don't just blend into the crowd i think in esports that's the the major message 
I love that you guys are almost more than a job board in my mind. I mean, the success stories, I think is an example. The spotlight is an example, all the free, you know, resources you guys provide. Um, I think that's awesome, especially because it's a tight knit community. And, and a lot of times, you know, a lot of people know people when you have that relationship, it, it can make it easier for someone to get maybe that introduction that like you're saying, maybe at least get some freelance work and gives them a chance, a shot yeah. at least to, you know, make it into the space. So, yeah. um, that's partly the name of the company. It's like, it always, I always used to laugh about it because I was like, Hitmarker isn't really like kill shot, is it? In terms of like a brand name, it's kind of like you've you've found your targets, but you haven't okay. like executed, you haven't done, you haven't finished them. So it's kind of like all we can really do is put like connect people and put you in front of people. And it's kind of, it's still on you to then kill it in the interview and really like sell yourself to the companies. We can only do so much, unfortunately, but that we do love doing that. I think it make that's what makes me happy to come into work every day because you, there's always a chance that we'll receive like a, an email where it's like I've just been hired by like this huge company and like I'm working on if they're an Overwatch fanatic I'm working on the Overwatch league and I can't believe it I'm going to be working with the players and stuff like that and it's kind of like that honestly makes our whole day and it's crap at the minute because usually we're all in this office mm -hmm. 10 of us together and something like that comes through and everyone's like high-fiving and yeah. being like super happy about it. Now at the minute, it's like a Slack message where everyone's just putting thumbs up on the Slack messages right. and stuff like that. So it doesn't quite have the same impact, but yeah, we love that. And in terms of timing, I think I've still got another 10, 15 minutes or so here. So we're not too, we're not too squished. I have more questions. So that's perfect. Um, well, something I want to ask you, I mean, I guess it's really along this same conversation right here is, and I think for anyone listening to, you know, go to their socials, go to Hitmarker socials. There's a lot of resources there they provide, but I just want to hear from you personally, you know, being in this role and being, you know, in the, in the job industry, what are some tips and advice you would personally give to someone that maybe has a background in a role that's needed in esports, but they just don't have the gaming and esports background. So it's, it's that barrier that's in front of them that makes it tough. It's a great question. And that is becoming like probably the most common question that we get asked on social media and uh, over DMS, because I think, especially with the pandemic, so many people have lost their jobs or have been put on furlough or have kind of come to this point where they're realizing that they might want to do something else with their life after this because it's been such a culture shock for everybody. Um, mm -hmm. And we are getting that question a lot. It's like, look, I'm a marketing professional. I've been in digital marketing for 12 years. I can run social accounts. I've got this track record of doing these deals. I might be a biz dev or salesperson that's worked in traditional sports or in the tech space. And I've got this huge track record. I've always loved games, but I've never worked professionally on games. It is a massive hurdle to overcome. It's a really good question that you've asked. And it's kind of like a lot of times people are willing to take a chance on you, at least give you an interview or give you that shot that we're talking about because they'll, they'll see your track record, right? They'll know fundamentally you have the skills or the sales um, the sales tact or basically customer service skills or anything. It could, it could be anything or the design chops. You just might not design in an esports style yet. Uh, it's kind of like people can see skill and they can see track record. But yeah, definitely it can be a turnoff if there isn't that direct experience with gaming. And it's like, well, who do you know in gaming? What deals have you done with esports or gaming companies? And you might not have any. Um, and it might be more about just being like, if you are legitimately passionate as a gamer and you've become an esports fan, whether it's in the last few years or in the last six months because you've been... Uh, stuck at home or you've been looking for something to watch online and there's been no sports to watch um it doesn't matter right if you found that you are genuinely passionate about this space and i'm sure there are people that aren't passionate about this space who are still trying to get in um which yeah. is a different story but if you nice. can show 
genuinely that you've been gaming for a long time, that you are a gamer, you're familiar with the culture, you know the teams, you know the companies, you understand how business works, you understand the size of the market. Um, you understand if you're a social media manager that you know how to speak to that market because you might be a huge league fan or a Dota fan or something like that. If you can get that passion across, mostly in the cover letter because you don't really get that. You might have a space on your resume where you've got like a, a paragraph at the top, which is like your personal profile or introduction. That's always where we would mention if, if you don't have game and any sports experience, make sure to reference that you are passionate about the industry there. Um, and make it known that I've got a ton of experience in these different industries, but my love is gaming. Um, because then I think a lot of times it's at least enough to maybe get you that chance that we talked about. Um, because they'll want to see, are you genuine? Do you genuinely know about gaming and these sports? Are you familiar with the company that you're applying to? So that would be one. It's like, don't let, don't let it ever put you off applying, but just be sure to deal with it in the most upfront and honest way that you can. And just say, look, I know I don't have experience in the esports industry or the gaming industry, but I've got technical experience in the skill set that you're looking for and a huge passion about the gaming and esports industry and a huge desire to learn how to operate professionally in the industry. I still think people will give you a chance um, with that approach. I think resumes and cover letters and all that kind of stuff uh, probably a long time ago people would have encouraged you to like embellish stuff and bs a little bit to a degree in terms of certain accomplishments in history it's getting harder and harder to do that online these days because everyone has a paper trail uh, whether it's your social accounts or your linkedin accounts or posts that people have made about you on forums or social or whatever it's becoming harder and harder to bs but i think people just appreciate a bit of an upfrontness and honesty um so that would be a main one don't let that put you off and then like i said think of a resume and a cover letter as you don't have to absolutely fulfill every single list of the 20 or 30 requirements that a company might have to get the job but you have to be the best person out of everybody that applies to get that job. So you aren't competing against the job description. You're competing against whoever else is going to apply to the position ultimately, which means that a lot of these jobs we see, there can never be a perfect person who ticks every single box where it's like five years of experience. You need to be familiar with this, 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 and this. You need to have two, three years gaming experience. It's, it's like a laundry list of what the ideal candidate would look like. Um, and I think that puts off a lot of people who are, close to like ticking all of those boxes from applying um mm -hmm. there's a difference between being close to hitting requirements than being miles away from all of them and just applying because you love esports that's like something we would never ever recommend anybody does because it just can get you blacklisted and can basically you can become a a, a nuisance to a company if you do that um more often than not but if you feel like you tick the majority of the boxes or you're at least close to doing it Make sure you get your resume into an esports type place in terms of how it looks and how it sells itself. Make sure you write that company like a love letter, right? And I know that's going to sound dramatic to say, but the cover letter, drop that as terminology. Let's call it a love letter because it's like you need to then go research everything you can research about that company in the time that you have available. Hopefully you already know the company and you're super familiar with everything they do. If that's the case, then it should be really easy for your enthusiasm for that company and appreciation of that company to come across in your cover letter. Everybody wants to hire people who want to work at their company and who say that they can make a difference at their company and who get their company in terms of what they're doing, what their mission is and what their culture is. And I think, again, that's something that gets lost. Like we see so many cover letters that are just like boilerplate, kind of like my name is it. And I did this and I did that and I did that. And then 
if you give me this job, I will do this and this and this and this. It's like, that is never, never what anyone's looking for. It has to be like passion and grit and determination and kind of like, I am the person that you need to hire for this role. Even if you aren't convinced, at least give me a shot to come to interview and kind of talk. Like, don't mm-hmm. be afraid to sell yourself. Um, obviously, if you're awesome and you don't need to sell yourself, then just sit back and just throw your stuff in there but unfortunately for the majority of us in the world we have to do that extra bit of salesmanship to stand out absolutely and i know that's tough for stuff i mean i know it's hard for me so i know that can be a hard yeah. thing but I, I definitely can agree that i think you got to sell yourself a bit um a- along the lines of that question and i know we're, we're staying on this topic but i think it's an important one that a lot of people are, are looking to find answers for and this is kind of another hot topic question what is your perspective on volunteering or you know, I know you mentioned freelance work a little bit, yeah. but for someone who doesn't have the experience, do you recommend night hustling, volunteering, get an opportunity? You know, what's your take on that? Hugely controversial topic in the hit marker office. There's like two camps <laughs> of us in here. So me coming from traditional sport, right? That was another industry here in the UK that was infamous for unpaid internships, ridiculous hours, weekend working because everyone was desperate. Like me, when I first got into it, I was desperate to work in that industry because I was a huge fan. And it's kind of similar in esports now. Some people are so desperate that they'll do anything and will take any opportunity and they'll be taken advantage of because of the passion that they have. Any volunteer opportunity that anybody sees, you have to weigh up what's the cost benefit in terms of how much of me and my time am I going to give this company? Or it's not even a company a lot of times, but this brand or organization. Am I happy with long-term my name being associated with this brand or company because they might not be kind of the best people to be associated with long-term? What am I going to get out of volunteering for this company? Do they have a track record of like, they've got, they could say that X, Y, and Z people started here and now they work for Blizzard, Twitch, and Riot, or they work for 100 Thieves, Cloud9, um, CLG. If they can say that to you, then it might be a decent place to like go and get your volunteer chops in to do like unpaid social media management or community management or tournament admin or something like that. The fact of the matter is that in my opinion, uh, a lot of the volunteer roles that are in esports probably are of more benefit to the people hiring in inverted commas than they are to the people who'll take them because, and this is just the, the nature of the beast, right? Um, a lot of orgs and teams are run by kids, ultimately, like people who are still in high school who dream of being the next phase um, in terms of being like that kind of brand and building it from scratch and having this awesome story. By no means am I saying that's impossible because I think I'd be an idiot if I said it was impossible. If people, if you find the right people and you get the right mix and you hit on the right formula, people can definitely still be the next phase or build something that is sim- makes a similar impact on the industry. But that's going to be like a what what like a one in ten million chance, one in a million chance. Um, it's ultimately not how life turns out. And a lot of the volunteer roles you see on Hitmarker will be trying to sell you that kind of dream. It's kind of like we can't pay you yet, but as soon as we reach profitability, we can talk about payment. Like realistically, and I, I can probably go and look at the data and see how many of these companies are still in existence now who posted way back three years ago with the same exact pitch. It's like how many of those companies have ever achieved profitability or even ever won any prize money at any event or got any sponsors. The list is going to be pretty small, I think, in terms of that. So I'm not a fan of volunteering personally. It's, I mean, right, it's illegal to advertise for volunteer work in the United States of America if the rule is based in the United States. That gives you an idea that if the U.S. government, (laughs) not to get too political, 
is saying that that is illegal and wrong unless you're a not-for-profit or a public organization, then that should give you some idea about where volunteering sits in terms of ethically and morally. It's pretty pretty low down the list. But but on the other hand, what did I say about Hitmarker? This was started as a volunteer passion project between four friends. So many esports companies come from that background where they're all working full. The difference here, I guess, is what I'm getting at is that if you're working full time and you've got enough money to sustain yourself or you're living with parents and you don't have responsibilities of rent and overheads and a family to look after, volunteering is kind of an achievable and realistic thing to do because it's not really going to cost you anything financially um, and it's not going to be detrimental to you in that respect. Um, and you might find some good opportunities that do lead to bigger things. And if, if you end up being like an awesome social media manager for a team that grows from being super small to getting some recognition in Rocket League or, well, it's getting harder to do it in Call of Duty. I would always use Call of Duty as the example, but it's near impossible to do that now um, with right. franchising. It's like the possibility is still there for you to build your own brand off the back of a volunteer org, but the chances are small. If we're talking about volunteering, I would much rather say like volunteer at your school or at your college. Like if they don't have an esports um, club or anything to do with esports, pioneer that and lead that and get fellow students involved. That looks awesome on a CV, on a resume, um, having some get up and go and some initiative. And then that's completely you doing your own thing for your own benefit and for the benefit of your fellow students. Like some 30, 40 year old guy in a different country somewhere isn't creaming the benefits of your hard work and your effort. Um, so that would be something I'd recommend. Volunteering at events, uh, we always hear is like a super useful thing. Um, when events come back, hopefully not a million miles away, but volunteering at TwitchCon, BlizzCon, DreamHack, um, ESI events here if you're in the UK, that is a great way to get hands-on experience of work and an industry event, which then means you'll typically, as a volunteer, have access to the after parties and the drinks after the events you'll naturally be talking to a lot of people involved in the space. It could be streamers, could be company owners, it could be different people at the professional levels because you might be just doing something mundane like a bag check or being like a liaison who's helping people get from A to B. You're making contacts and making introductions with people in a live setting. So volunteering at events is always something we would give a thumbs up to because then we know it's going to be like, what, like a three-day commitment at the most. Typically, you'll get your travel paid and your food will all be paid for and stuff like that. They're not asking you to give up like hours every day to help them help them with something that you're not going to personally benefit from. So event volunteering is decent. A lot of countries, it is legal to volunteer and it's kind of accepted. If it's legal and accepted in your country and volunteer, then who am I to say that you shouldn't do it? Like me and Phil, Phil, who founded the company, he believes that esports is built on the hard work of volunteers and it's the people that have kind of grinded and given up the blood sweat and tears volunteering who are the people who are at the top of the industry now and i'm pretty sure the majority of people at the top level of the esports companies have all volunteered at some point or another themselves so there is a tradition in esports of volunteering um but yeah it's that hopefully my answer there gives a two sides of the story in terms of why it's such a controversial topic um and that's without even mentioning that Anytime somebody volunteers, it kind of devalues work for everybody else involved in the space. Because if someone's willing to do it for free, why should anybody ever pay for that job to get done? So point. it's like, it's uh, it's a really tough subject. But personally, I'm not for volunteering. We've never had any unpaid volunteers or workers for Hitmarker. Never will because I just do not believe in it. Um, but then esports og who's been involved in the scene for as long as he's been like an adolescent he would say that volunteering can be hugely valuable so two very different answers
No, no, I, I, I think you provide a great insight from, from kind of both sides. I mean, real fast, my take, I, I would say too, it's important if you can, like you're saying events, you know, there's value there because it's an event being put on, it's being funded, you know, you're going to see people. So I'd hop on to support that as well. And I think too, if you're going to volunteer, maybe you've got your nine to five and you've got a couple hours at night where you can begin to volunteer and you're not jumping straight into volunteer hundred percent. Cause I think sometimes when I'm scrolling through Twitter and seeing that there's kind of a misconception that if you're going to volunteer, you got to just risk everything. So maybe if you can still support yourself, another job and, you know, volunteer that, that could be beneficial. Definitely. And it does look good. Like even, like I said, fundamentally, if your goal is to work in esports, if what you're doing, if all it is going to give you is something relevant to put on your resume, that could be mm-hmm. enough as a thumbs up for doing it. If it's going to take like an hour or two of your day, outside of anything that's going to impact on relationships or other commitments or anything that you have, then yeah. why not go for it? If you if you really feel like, oh, you've been told that that being missing from your resume is a big deal, then that could be a way of resolving it. Um, but then again, to be devil's advocate, how many hiring managers are going to care about like our social media manager for like, I can't even think of some of the random names that we've seen on Hitmarker um, for like three months and like, they, they had like 12 followers and it's kind of just like, is that going to be, is, does that even, is that a negative to have on your resume rather than a positive? So exactly. it's kind of, yeah. But um, with that as well, I should say, like I mentioned earlier, if anyone's ever in any doubt and they want to explain their circumstances to us over live chat or DM, we will happily give you like a totally objective opinion to say like, yes, this looks like a good decision to make, but don't like overcommit or no, it's probably not a good opportunity for you to take. We'll, we, we can be that kind of objective voice as yeah. well. And we'll try and be honest with people as best we can. Yeah. An unbiased opinion that that's always beneficial to people, but um, well, I, I, that really wraps things up for, for us here. And, and I know we're probably getting close to your time. Um, I, I really enjoy this. This was, this was great. Like I mentioned to you before we hopped on here, I mean, I think hit is doing an incredible job. You guys are really leading the way. I love the content and the branding. And I know we've seen your voice, uh, on a lot of other panels, like you're mentioning that you've done in the last, you know, this year and coming up. So, um, excited for you guys, where is the best place, you know, and for everybody listening, watching on YouTube or Apple, you know, Spotify, whatever, uh, down in, on Apple, we'll drop the links to, you know, Richard's socials and some hit markers, but, uh, Richard, where's the best place for, for people to connect with you? Well, if you want to connect with me, I'll ha- more than happily let you, but you should follow the social accounts of the company before you follow mine. Like my, there's nothing going on on my accounts other than retweets from hit marker stuff. So if you are serious or you're just interested slightly in looking into what's available in esports and gaming, hitmarker.net is the address to go to. Um, it should be super easy to find what you're looking for, but if not, then hit us up on the live chat and the contact button is easy to find. We are at hitmarkerjobs on every social media account. So that's from Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Instagram. We're active on all of them. Um, so you can follow us on all of those. We are just getting to a point as a company where we're starting to do different content for different socials, which is something we've always wanted to do. But man, it's a big effort across five different, five different <laughs> platforms. Um, so we are just getting there to be so it's just becoming valuable to actually follow us on more than one. But if you have to choose one, follow us on Twitter because that's where most of our best content goes out. I appreciate it. Thank you again for coming on. Um, and, and, you know, for everybody listening, again, if you guys are listening on the audio version, thank you guys for tuning in. If you've hopped over to YouTube and are checking this out, thank you guys for, for coming over here. Please, you know, like and subscribe um, and, and catch along with all of our other podcast guests. Uh, but with that being said, we'll catch you guys next Tuesday for another episode of The Lodges Podcast.